Hi, you're listening to the Launchcast with Sun Yin, where we help you define your inner champion. On today's episode, you'll hear from Hannah Sieper. Hannah is the COO of EcoFlow Tech and has been named to Forbes 30 and 30 in energy for her work in sustainable energy systems. She is also a dookie. Continue listening for Hannah's insights on entrepreneurial spirit and building up the momentum for a launch. Enjoy. I absolutely love the Wayne Gretzky quote. You miss all the shots you don't take. For what the corollary implies that you take 100% of the shots you miss. So often in life, I find the hardest times to keep going are after a missed shot. So if it's after a fundraising round that doesn't close, or having to pivot the company in order to keep the company alive, or a big deal falling through, those can be some of the hardest moments to get up and keep going. And so I constantly reflect on that quote: how just putting your your foot back out there after anything that feels like a missed shot. So, how do you keep going? Because you're an entrepreneur, you are an entrepreneur multiple times over, and entrepreneurship is so hard, and with all the ups and downs, and there's no guaranteed success. How do you keep on going? What keeps you going? Yeah, so I think to be an entrepreneur, you have to be um, incredibly optimistic and, and even perhaps slightly delusional. Um, you know, I <laughs> I every day believe. In the future, and then believe in what we're doing, and I get up every day excited to see us succeed. So I, you know, despite some of these setbacks, you know, I, I have a steadfast belief that you know we are going to achieve our goal, which is bringing portable power and and making power more accessible to everyone around the world. Let us help the audience get to know you really fast. So fill in the following blank for us. If we really knew you, we would know that. Uh, that I love to eat a vegetarian diet. <laughs> Great, thanks so much, Anna. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about your journey. Uh, a lot of our listeners are in their 20s and 30s. So, tell us a little bit about your journey to where you are now. Um, you started off after Duke at Parthenon, if I remember. And then, yeah. how did you get from there to here? Exactly. So I would just say at Duke, I was really focused on academics, and I actually thought it, thought I wanted to pursue a PhD.、Um, my interests were always on understanding China, and I did that through different disciplines: historical, political, economic.、Um, and in college, I actually wrote my thesis on human capital migration,、um, which looked at human capital migration from China to the U.S. and the role it was playing on innovation and invention in both China and the U.S. And I guess if I had thought about it at the time, I would have realized I had a strong fascination with innovation and entrepreneurship.、Um, but ultimately, at the time, I, you know, I was really interested in understanding business and how businesses worked. So I left to work with Parthenon Group in management consulting,、um, and I was so fortunate that they were able to put me in both the Boston and Shanghai offices. So I had the opportunity to to really work in both the U.S. and China, and work with some of the smartest, most talented people. Um, and through that experience, I really learned I, I did want to be at the forefront of what was happening in China.、Uh, there were so many、uh, exciting new inventions coming out of China, and particularly in, in Shenzhen, so in southern China, the mecca of hardware. Ninety percent of the world's electronics come from Shenzhen, so your computer, your phone,、uh, your laptop, your watch are likely all made in Shenzhen. So I, when I was looking to kind of transition to China full time, I was recruited by the San Francisco Center for Economic Development. They were interested in building out an office in Shenzhen. They'd already had offices in Beijing and Shanghai.、Um, so I moved over to Shenzhen, built out an office, hired a team, and was working 
for the Center of Economic Development on cross-border investing and financing. Um, so we worked on all sorts of different deals. Uh, one, for example, was uh, working with the largest container crate company. They were based in Guangzhou, China, um, and pairing them with a Berkeley-based developer to do prehab, prefab container crate housing, which allowed uh, this Berkeley-based developer to put up uh, below-market-rate housing and to essentially add more affordable housing here to San Francisco. Uh, so there were lots of really interesting ways in which, uh, at the time, Shenzhen and San Francisco and the broader you know, California area were collaborating. Um, and I was also fortunate that being boots on the ground at Shenzhen, I got to work with so many amazing entrepreneurs. Um, and a few of them, one of them in particular that I met, uh, came from DJI, the drone company. Um, and they were working on uh, how do you keep drones in the air longer. Um, and one of the biggest challenges to droning is, is just battery life. Right now, the average drone pilot will go out with four to five batteries. Um, so as they started to think about, well, how do we create a product that's portable um, but can still you know, charge your drone a couple handful of times, kind of keep it in the air and allow you to do more uh, interesting droning projects, whether it's uh, search and rescue or mapping out different volumetrics. Um, I used some of my consulting background to look and realize there's actually a huge white space. So in between uh, kind of fixed power solutions like the Tesla Powerwall uh, and then your small power banks uh, that you might you know, use to charge a phone. And so together we founded EcoFlow in 2016 and set out to kind of revolutionize that, that mid-market portable power. Now, what I love about that story is that you had a sense of what your interests were, which was a mix of cross-cultural as well as entrepreneurship and something that was also meaningful and impactful. However, within that, there were opportunities for so many pivots throughout just even uh, your career from graduating from Duke to where you are now. I mean, there were so many different pivot points in that story. Can you share how important it is to be able to allow for that flexibility in how your career flows? Because I, I see so many undergrads today, um, they think about, wow, I have to do this one thing, and if I don't get this one thing, or I don't achieve this one thing, then everything is a complete failure, and when yeah. that's not for the reality. <laughs> so yeah. what wisdom can you share with us about that? Totally. Uh, you know, so I think it really varies for everyone. If you know what you want to do and you want to be a managing director at a, you know, at a large bank, um, then your path may be a little bit more linear and uh, kind of clear. I think if you're still discovering what you want to do or, you know, not really sure, I think the best thing you can do is actually take some pivots um, because they allow you to really discover yourself and know yourself. And I don't think I would be a successful entrepreneur today without the work I've had in management consulting and coming from that industry, as well as the work I've had in a nonprofit, starting my own team, um, as well as living abroad. And I think what set me up for success is those different pivots I've taken. And I think that portfolio of experiences, it sounds like, also lend to clarity around what you want to do versus what you don't want to do. How do mentors, because something you and I have talked about before is power of mentors, and also the power of being a mentor. How does mentoring and being mentored play into all of this, into greater clarity towards, towards one's career path, as well as achieving success throughout one's career? Yeah, I, I think mentors are phenomenally important there. For me, you know, I have so many mentors, I, I cannot even begin. Um, 
and they all bring different parts. I have mentors that challenge me, uh, mentors that, um, you know, are kind of there to help pick me back up, um, mentors that, you know, push me maybe one way or the other based on their background. And I think particularly I have a lot of female mentors, um, and that's gone a long way of just having other women in the space that, you know, have been through experiences either similar or not as similar, but, you know, have some, some level of unity in oftentimes what we're experiencing. And yeah, I love and, being a mentor. I actually think you also get as much back from mentoring others. Um, I have quite a few women actually from Duke, from business, my business-oriented women club, um, that I still in contact with and reach out to me. And, and I'm constantly learning about myself through talking to them and through helping them think through their kind of questions and, and different career stages. I think that's a constant throughout all of your pivots that I've seen for as long as I've known you is that you continue to mentor others who come up behind you. And that, I believe, is a secret of your success, you know, Hannah. Now, when you took on EcoFlow, you guys did something extraordinary, which is you, instead of taking investment when you first started, you guys decided to do it through crowdfunding. And that was something you had never done before. And yet, at your first go, you guys hit, what was it, 1.25 mil in uh, funds raised towards EcoFlow's first product, wasn't it? Yeah, so we, exactly right. When we were launching, we launched a pre-order campaign. Um, so I'll take you back to the beginning of EcoFlow. It was 2016, uh, and we had the idea, but we were all working, you know, in other jobs, full-time jobs, and working on EcoFlow on the side. So it was in the evenings, and I even remember Christmas Day 2016, um, we were all in China together driving from the factory Back to, back to our kind of makeshift office. So, you know, working nonstop to get the product launched. And right around then is when we decided that we were going to actually take the plunge. And so we quit our jobs, uh, started working out full-time on, on EcoFlow, and spent about four months getting ready to launch this pre-order campaign. Um, so that was everything from, you know, shooting content, uh, making sure we had all the kind of informative graphs and tables and specs, getting all the pricing, logistics, fulfillment, customer service, uh, social media, uh, all of those different aspects. That, uh, and then we launched. So we launched our campaign in April 2017. You know, I had, I had talked and I'd been lucky to find a bunch of other people that had launched pre-order campaigns and had taken them all to coffee or, you know, picked their brain on understanding how to launch a successful pre-order campaign. Um, and then it really came down to you know, we had this amazing group of early evangelists and, and supporters, and it was it was um, unbelievable just to see how many people out there were excited about our product, uh, and that ultimately is what gave us the confidence to launch and the the momentum to launch. What I love about that story is that you, a lot of us, when we enter into a into something, a new endeavor, or a new launch, feel that we have to have all the answers before we even start. And as much prep as you did. Um, it was a four-month preparation, there was an element in there where it was okay for you to not have the answers because you were confident that you were going to be able to get the answers by reaching out to others who have done it before. And there was an element of uh, vulnerability in that to be able to gather the information that ultimately led to you guys exceeding your crowdfunding goals. And that's just wonderful. I think that's a wonderful lesson in that. So in closing, what advice will you give other young entrepreneurs ready from straight out of college or recently from college 
who wanted to start up on the entrepreneurship path, what advice would you give them? Yeah, so I, a couple things. <laughs> One is, I think, um, starting small. Right now, there's you know kind of this belief in entrepreneurship as incredibly glamorous, you know, as raising millions of dollars from venture capital uh, and you know growing into a billion dollar unicorn. And while, of course, that's something that we're all, you know, eager and excited to potentially see happen, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a lot to be said for, you know, starting small and, and just kind of doing it. So working on putting together, whether it's a product, you know, getting prototyping that product, whether it's getting some proof of concept for your new software platform, I think whatever it is, you know, just start doing it and kind of building it out and be scrappy and be humble and then kind of see how it grows. And there's no need to, to jump into it in Silicon Valley way of big numbers and big results. I think that there's a lot to be said for starting slow and, and really building out and when you're ready, taking the plunge. Thank you so much, Hannah. This was great. Okay, with that, that's a wrap. <laughs> Thinking about today's episode, here's something to reflect on. As an entrepreneur, Hannah sees new opportunities and applied skills from previous experiences to the various pivots in her career. When was the last time you began something new and unfamiliar? Can you think of something that excites you that you've been too afraid to start till now? That's it for today's episode. Special thanks to Tanya Reardon, Richard Vargo, and Angela Moon for producing this episode, Teju Ajasa for the technical support, and Lucas Tischler for the music. See you again soon.